spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy Ann's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys andy and spoken label back in the house on a wednesday evening hope you're all well yes we have a podcast i booked in i think the other month this was actually so and i've been looking forward to speaking to this young lady ever since because she's recently bought out a collection with Animal Heart Press, which I have been really, really, really enjoying. We'll come on to that shortly. Now, the young lady's name is Jessica Kim. Now, she's an extraordinary writer, and she's so extraordinary. I've actually gone and bought her press along with the interview today, which is Elizabeth Horan, who people may spot. I spoke to Elizabeth fairly recently about her work, and didn't you, Liz, Liz, you referred Jessica over to me straight away on this one. I did. I said, you know, I had such a fun time with Andy, and we were just releasing her brilliant book, Animal Heart, and I thought, oh boy, I got to connect these two if I can, so it worked out. Yes, worked out perfect. Now, we've been chatting to Jessica for a few minutes before we were on air today, and I'm really looking forward to this chat. Now, Jessica, obviously, for people who don't know you, obviously, then, You've been telling me already, haven't you, a little bit about where your writing came from originally. So take us back to this journey, first of all, to at the beginning of lockdown when you you wanted a virtual writing workshop, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I actually started writing in March 2020. So it's been a little more than two years since I started writing poetry. Um, One of the first times I found a space where I felt like words really mattered was a workshop that I did with Sandra Beasley. And Sandra also identified as disabled. And that was the first time I felt that I could talk about disability and I could potentially write about disability. So that was, I guess, the roots of where my collection started. And at that time, I obviously didn't know that I was going to be writing a book, but it was a really good starting point for me to be consistent with my writing. Now, what I found extraordinary was, you were telling me off mic before about this, was you hadn't actually done any writing before this, had you? So it's almost like, was it going into this workshop? It's almost like it released a trigger in your brain, really, didn't it? 
Yeah, it did. Actually, I was not a writer um, in my childhood. I was more of like the math kid who loved math, who loved science. Oh, so wow. writing, yeah. So writing came as a real surprise to me. I think it was just the pandemic being so like emotionally taxed that something had to come out. And that's kind of where writing um, came out for me, especially poetry, because I feel like it's the most you can put the most emotion in like relatively short lines and so I started seeking out workshops and like a community so it's kind of where I started and that's where I am now too. Impressive because like you said before like you usually find and my family's like this where both my sister and my brother are both really good mathematicians I'm hopeless with paths. <laughs> I was really, really poor. But I, I was aware. I was always that kid at school when I was writing from a very, very early, early age. Uh-huh. Liz, Liz, I know you were the same as well, weren't you? So I mean, you told me that originally as well. So that's why I find it is extraordinary. Jessica's case, like you've actually can match, managed to master both of them. Now, Jessica, were you much of a writer reader when you were growing up, then, were you before prior to entering poetry? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think I was a reader. I remember as a child, I really loved books and I still do. So I read everything from like fantasy to children's fiction to young adult fiction and then like even memoirs and those kind of things. So I guess reading did influence me in more subtle ways. But when I got into poetry, it was something that kind of fueled me through and gave me a lot of like inspiration yeah because like because obviously I, I don't want to hark on things too much i'm not like that but like people would obviously know like obviously your re- re- reading and writing has come from pacific angle for yourself really hasn't it over your like your basic life and people know i'm past your sighting and you are as well so that was it was almost like a release for you wasn't it then really when your first this writing came out then really i'm guessing yeah so it was sort of it was definitely like some form of release in terms of like energy and in terms of like what I could offer so yeah it was I guess because reading is a way to to consume literature and whereas writing for me was a platform to take charge of that so yeah yeah, brilliant. Okay, um, I've got a bit, there's quite a bit you've done here, and I want to go into some of these topics, and then we'll go into the collection and bring Liz into the conversation as well in a bit more depth. Like, I've just found it remarkable, and it's, this is far from a patronizing tone of Knox, I'm impressed. <laughs> like, it was like, tell us then about your, because you've won quite a few awards and second prize, and like the amount of magazines you read for and editor-in-chief and stuff. And before we go into each individual one then, did you do you envis- did you envisage say two and a half years later you'd be doing so much of this stuff like now it's like it's an incredible journey it was an incredible journey and honestly it's been full of surprises so no I didn't really imagine myself right now um like where I am right now in terms of um like awards I just submitted and when I first submitted um I didn't always like win stuff so it's been a process for me honestly but um every 
time I got to win an award or every time I got to publish someone's work as my role as um, editors for a few magazines, I've felt really fulfilled and that has given me like the agency to continue writing and to continue publishing and editing. Yeah, I want to touch on a few of these, obviously, people, the breath of the, the awards you've won. And it's, I think it's, you've done brilliant, really, really, have they? In such a short period of time where like, tell us then, first of all, then, about the, your experiences of um, becoming a Los Angeles Youth Poet Laureate. And also yes. then as well, becoming runner-up on the United States National Youth Poet Laureate. That's a mouthful as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I became the Los Angeles Youth Poet Laureate last June. So like a mo- month, uh, I mean, a bit more than a year ago. Um, it was a surprise because I remember being in the finalists reading. There were around 18 finalists, I think, and that time no one knew who was going to be the next LA Youth Poet Laureate. So I was just like in my bedroom reading a piece of mine. Um, I actually read Guzzle for K, which is in my book. And I read, and then it was so unexpected when they announced me as the Youth Poet Laureate. So I, I think it was so full of surprise that I took a long time to kind of accept that position and accept my role as um, a poet for the community. But I started from a place where I was writing more for myself, but then the LA Youth Poet Laureate position kind of really allowed me to think about my community and involve my community in my creative work. And when I became one of the National Youth Poet Laureate finalists, I really had the chance to share my story with other people with like a large audience. And that really, that actually culminated in um, an in-person performance at the Kennedy Center in Washington, DC. So that was a magical experience. Oh yeah, stuff like, don't forget stuff like that. (laughs) Fantastic. And then obviously then after that, you then went, you came runner up, didn't you? For the United States National Youth yeah. Poet Laureate, uh, but that must have been even more magical for you than after after you, when you got to that stage. It was oh, incredible stuff. Now, obviously, I don't. Well, I really want to get onto your book in a minute, but obviously, like before, you've also like people wondering the researcher. You were the first prize winner of the Columbia College Chicago's Young Author Contest as well, and also like the second prize winner of the Bennington Young Writers Award in the poetry aspect. Did these all come around about the same time, did they, or was it just after? Um, so for Columbia College Chicago, I found out that I was the first place winner around early 2021. Um, and then the Bennington came in early 2022. So it was, it was a year apart, but I think both were equally exciting because I I could see like the work. I guess a, a lot of my strongest pieces came in early 2021. So actually I won both awards with similar poems, um, like poems that I wrote at similar times. So I thought that was really interesting because mm-hmm. usually for me, I end up kind of not liking old work, but then 
um, that experience, like winning those awards, that kind of validation gave me the confidence that I could love my words like for for a long time. And I hope that continues. Long mate role, definitely so. Now, <laughs> I want to know, obviously, we've hinted at before, obviously, about, um, I know you read for a lot of magazines at the moment as well. Now, I'm not going to go into detail which ones they are, because I've, I've read your bio, and that, that sort of thing does change. Because I know Amanda, my wife, mm-hmm. does that as well. And it, it changes all the time. So, But tell us about the new, what made you want to get into, first of all, reading for magazines? Oh, yeah. So I started, I really wanted to um, publish other writers and start a magazine. So when I, like around the time I first started writing, I founded a magazine called the Lumiere Review. And um, I guess I was really scared because I didn't have any experience publishing. And also um, I, I was pretty new in the writing world. So I didn't know anyone. So I just like kind of started this alone. And then I, I think it was really like an uncertain process where I didn't know really what I was doing, but then I, so I like set up a website and I set up a few like social media accounts and then people actually started submit, submitting. And that was like a moment for me because wow. I, I think my editorial work is just as valuable as my, my own writing. So um, it kind Agreed. of spiraled. Yeah, it kind of like spiraled from there. I just, you know, I, I just really love organizing things. I, I love sharing people's stories and I also love reading other people's stories. So that's kind of how Lumiere started. And we've come a long way. We hosted like writing contests. Um, and yeah, we have, we published over like 300 pieces. So, so it's been really cool. And simultaneously, I joined um, a few other literary magazines like Polyphony Lit and also I, my school's literary magazine, which is The Ink and the Iris. So that's kind of where I am with editing. And it's I, I've had like a bunch of experiences from different publications and it's been amazing. I bet it has indeed with that. It's, do you actually find, and obviously you're doing so much reading, and I'm going to ask Liz this as well, I'm going to bring Liz in for this one, I want to ask Liz the same question, I, so I don't have to repeat myself. I always find that Amanda, my wife, she used to run a magazine, and it, it found when, when she got into that, it took all her time up because you're getting so many submissions. <laughs> like It was like, you find that it takes over your life sometimes, doesn't it? So have you found that yourself, Jessica, first of all? Um, yeah, I felt there were moments like that um, for me, but I think at the end of the day, um, reading submissions has been kind of like what I do in my free time, and I actually really enjoy it because it's reading, and you know, I really yeah, love brilliant. reading. Me yeah. too, as well. I'd always love when you read. I used to help Mandra out with submissions, and I loved the fact was you used to, to read all these pieces of people you may have never come mm-hmm. across before, and it's fantastic. Have you, Liz, generally, have you found that yourself with Animal Heart Press, have you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you get in deep and you, you're running a, a, a press, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I haven't written anything in ages. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're full on in, you know. Um, but I do think, you know, 
to, to read other people's work, to do it for your own mag. I mean, it, it, it gives you kind of a foothold in the community and you get to keep your finger on the pulse of what people are doing and what is new and what's exciting. And it, it makes you connect with other editors. So it's like, it's getting yourself in that fabric of the world, not just the writing piece yourself, but you become part of like that whole community of helping other poets come up. Um, which, you know, without that, where would we all get our start, you know? So oh, I, I do think it's hugely important and it, it, but it is hard to find time. You have to carve out the time and say, okay, now I'm going to, I'm inspired by that piece I read. So I'm going to go try to write now a little bit, you know, yeah, so oh, you yeah. just <laughs> juggle it all right. <laughs> Somehow. Completely. Completely. It helps now, when you're young. It helps to be 18. You can juggle things. <laughs> yeah. I was, oh yeah, I remember I was 18. I had like I was I was terribly uncreative at that point. I used to <laughs> mess around with so much stuff at the time, and now I'm like the age I'm at, and it was like that. It's I've had I I somehow managed to have seven projects on the go. Sleep is optional. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Go, so. Yeah, yeah that, that's something I live by too. <laughs> now, obviously, before we go into your collection, Jessica, I just want to quickly ask you as well. You were telling me a little bit off mic before as well about Right Girl Ment Mentee as well. So tell us a bit about that then, first of all, because that was lastly, because that was a project I've not heard of before, and I think it sounded interesting what you told me before. Yeah, so Right Girl is a wonderful organization and they are based in LA and I joined maybe around like April of 2020. So um, I only lived through Right Girl in the virtual world, but I heard um, from all the directors and volunteers there that they used to host in-person workshops and that was more like local to Los Angeles. But during the pandemic, they offered virtual workshops and it started more as a local thing, but it really expanded to, you know, just accommodate anyone who was willing to um, spend a few Saturdays um, writing and connecting. And they've, they've brought wonderful people. Um, the famed Amanda Gorman, who spoke at, who read the poem at Biden's inauguration was a right girl mentee. Oh, and yeah, and wow. um, organizations like Right Girl have really brought young poets like to the forefront of everything. And I'm really, really glad to be part of Right Girl and, you know, just learn from amazing people. Like I've seen um, um, like actresses from Gilmore Girls. I've seen a lot of like famous script writers, famous journalists. Um, and it's been it's been a really great platform to connect with other writers and just really cool people. Oh, fantastic! Absolutely brilliant. Now, obviously, now we better have to get onto your collection next. Now, so <laughs> now I'm I'm absolutely hopeless. Here's another thing I've got a condition I suffer from is dyspraxia. So I'm going to have to ask you to first of all tell me how you pronounce the title of your collection, Jessica. So I do apologise for this. Oh, um, yeah. So my, I guess when I started, when I was like maybe six months into writing, I kind of envisioned myself having something physical to like house all my work. And I also wanted to kind of narrow down my writing to a specific theme because I was just writing like all over the place. And 
originally I thought my collection was kind of all over the place, but then I, I think I grounded, like I've grounded very like important and personal topics to me in my collections. Yeah. So so I think, oh yeah. Sorry, no, go on. Ladies first. Sorry, go on. Apologies. (laughs) Oh, no worries. Um, I think it, like my collection kind of arose out of the blue and kind of like with uncertainty, but it was something that um, I guess like consumed a lot of my writing approaches and my writing time um, in late 2020. And I'm really glad that I found Animal Heart Press to you know, publish my work. Yeah, understandable. Now, Liz, obviously, we better bring you back into this end now. Then, obviously, I want to know about your experience. I mean, you got you got this manuscript come through from Jessica, mm-hmm. and it obviously, yeah, I don't know what sort of what sort of editing and rewriting has gone into this, but it blew me away when I you sent the manuscript over to me. Tell us right. about how it impacted you when you first read this, because it's an extraordinary pamphlet. Right. This is right. So this was um, the winner of our tap book contest for 2021. Um, we, Amanda and Beth um, were kind of managing the entries and, you know, sorting into yes, no, maybes. And um, when they showed this one to me, um, you know, they, they tried to not be like, we love this one, you know, <laughs> they just wanted to get it in front of me. And um, I mean, we were all so floored by it for many reasons. I mean, you know, at Animal Heart, um, we're always kind of looking for the, the next the next thing, this, this, a combination between intelligence, craft, and then vision. Like we want a big deal. We want something that hasn't been done before, you know, because things get done over and over again. So, but seeing this was like, and, and I didn't even know who was the writer when I read it. Um, you know, so I imagined kind of an older woman. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, um, but we all, we all felt so strongly about it. And it was never in question that we wanted to work with Jessica if she would have us, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, and I don't think we did a whole lot of editing. Um, I know um, Beth worked with you, Jessica, on some on the, like on the manuscript and stuff, but I mean, it came to us really quite perfect. Um, Am I right, Jessica? I mean, you you didn't do a whole lot, just a little tweaking here and there, I think. But um, it's so complete as a whole, too. I mean, when you talk about kind of, you know, what goes into putting together a manuscript that works, you know, it has to be kind of this tight narrative, this this story that you bring the reader in with you and you follow through to the end. And and yes, while Jessica kind of touches on a lot of different things, it is highly hyper-focused and it and it kind of plows this this path through and you're just right with her the whole whole way to the very last poem. Um, so, so that's brilliant and and that's not easy to do it's not easy to do as an 18 year old as a or as a 40 year old it takes you know major you know curation of your work to turn it into that you know united book not just a series of poems you have um so we were pretty pretty excited and pretty gung-ho and knew it was something special right away yeah, I can see why straight away with it. Now, I don't want to go into tons of detail on the book, Jessica, I'll be honest with you, because one of those books where I could probably sit spend about two hours going through with a pair of you on some of the points and the poems you raise. 
but certainly I've got to ask you I want to one specific poem in the book okay which is a finale poem actually because it was and this has inspired me in my writing since as well because it's made me think about things in a different way so I want to ask you about this poem at the conclusion poem in which my disability talks about me now I love that idea bear it's like you've turned everything on its head with that poem and it's the title of it is, is an unbelievable piece, and the greatest poems are a really big, cracking poem. So tell us about that poem then, first of all, then. And was it a poem that was wrote first, or did you do the title first? I got the impression that I could have gone either way. <laughs> yeah, so that specific poem of mine is really, like, affirmational and really, I guess it kind of like celebrates my my collection and also like my experience as a visually impaired writer. And for me, that was kind of a foreign idea because a lot of my poems cover more like lows in my life um, other rather than like moments of celebration or moments of joy. So um, when I wrote that poem, I knew I knew that my collection had to have like a glimmer of hope. And I think that poem amongst some others have really like grounded that idea. So I'm personally like really proud of that piece as a writer who has like done something new um, in a sense for me. So that's kind of where the poem arose. And it wasn't the first or last poem I wrote actually. Um, The first poem I wrote was um, uh, a poem called um, a poem in which my disability um, in which I talk about my disability and I think oh, that's yeah. in the middle of my collection so yeah. I kind of wanted to make that series um, sort of like a central theme in my work and so that that last poem actually came after that first poem that I just mentioned. So it was kind of like, I've been like maybe um, grieving through all these poems, but I wanted um, a place where I could kind of treasure my work and celebrate my work. So that's where um, that last poem came from. Yeah, I think it was a clever move to do finish off with that piece because certainly like, the rest of the book, obviously, like he's, he's had already, he's touching a lot of your life. And I got that from the book itself. This mm-hmm. one, I think, is where you, you're it's like an acceptance piece of the full piece at the end of it. But right. I think that's, I think that's exceptionally good writing to finish off with there because it, it finishes, I won't say they finish off with a positive note, but it gives a sort of note you open your arms mm-hmm. to whatever life leads you to next. And I think that's fantastic writing, really, no two ways about it. Now, start wrapping up now Jessica what I always like asking is the, the wrap up obviously and I did this to Liz at the bottom as well so Liz knows what I'm going to say to you now was I always like to write, ask writers when they, what plans do you have next do you have any sort of ideas where you want to take your creativity next yeah so I personally have been a little slow with writing I think um, I haven't written a poem in quite some time but that doesn't mean that I don't like see myself writing again um I I definitely am gonna write like over the summer obviously and um so for next like I'm I'm pretty open to next steps 
for me um personally i think a lot of um everything i've been doing like as the youth poet laureate as um um the author of a book i it kind of like ended a few months ago so i felt like i had a lot of like open space to firstly give my time give myself some time to rest and also think of like new ideas i'm i'm thinking of potentially going into maybe prose like um creative nonfiction or even even like a hybrid between poetry and creative nonfiction so i'm i'm planning to explore more genres and kind of expand what i can do um i think that really like goes hard it fits hard with um Animal Heart Press's kind of vision on seeing um, like the next big thing or like the next new thing. So I'm, I'm really like subscribing to that idea and I hope to, you know, continue to challenge myself. Yeah. Brilliant. And I'm sure Liz would agree and we'd start wrapping up on this now was, I always believe as a writer and artist, never stand still. You've always got to be trying out other things, whether you publish them or not. It's sometimes it's the journey of completing that yeah, project, yeah, see right. how it goes. So that's right. And and I think one thing I love so much about Jessica's work is, you know, every poem in this collection is a different form. Oh so yeah. She absolutely <laughs> knows how to use her form to um, support the text and the context, which some people just have no idea. They just they have the same kind of structure for each of their poems. Um, Jessica will put in a sonnet. She'll put in a sonnet with dashes. She'll go totally experimental. She will use slant right. She uses everything. Um, she already knows how to do prose poems, you know. So I think, you know, a next thing for you, Jessica, is like full on prose text box <laughs> collection follow up to this, you know, where it's like you said, it's like flash fiction poetry. It's like, you know, going deep and weird in those text box. Like I yeah, love doing, yeah. I love prose that because you can do just it. get so nuts with it. Um, do it, yeah. do it, do it. Do it. And then when you do, do that, it. send it to us. <laughs> when you do it, yeah, so when you get it done, let me know because I want you on here like, again. I want to ask you deep questions about that next. About form, you know, being brave about form and trying new things, and and you know, she's got a high bun in there. You know, will only expand your writing. You know, if you get stuck in just well, I just don't use form. I just do experimental. Well, no, you need to know the craft so then you can play with it and break the rules and make up your own form. You know, next thing we'll know, maybe Jessica will have like the Jessica sonnet that is like, you know, just slightly her own thing. Like that's the kind of stuff you got to work towards, you know? No, For real, I, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I really appreciate form. Um, and I think it, it goes like beyond poetry. I always think like poetry is the epitome of form, but then it always can go beyond that. And I, I really love experimenting and also exploring um, form so yeah that's something on my radar you know too. What's interesting that I've found a pattern with with many poets I've known is when they are do have math and science brains they can get a sonnet figured because <laughs> they, you have to follow these rules and structures and patterns that if you're if math and science is really hard for you it, those are really hard for some poets to pick up but so I can see in your brain that math science background like helps you yeah. just boom 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 you know yeah I can see um, the similarity awesome. The similarity to your work, Jessica, and somebody I interviewed a couple of years ago, I'm not going to name, who was a math scientist, and he bought out a poetry collection, and it 
the work in your book is dead right in what both you've said. You've got that sort of the way you have the way you think about your work shows in this where everything's like two plus two. Your opinion may think two plus two equals four. But what if I then throw this into it? Will it make it five? And it's there's a fearlessness in your collection. Mm -hmm. That's why you know it's incredibly creative, but there's this technical thing about it. Mm -hmm. that everything is doing its job you know if you look at it closely it's like a well-oiled machine that has been figured and and um yeah it's exciting to watch yeah definitely. i know what would i do i want to get a chance to get jessica some peace slapper so we we'll wrap this part up exactly. now very quickly oh, instead of just the three of us just i would say shooting the breeze and getting nothing done so now jessica obviously if people want to find out more about you where are the best going yeah, so I have a website, um, jessicakimwrites.weebly.com, and I'm also around on social media. I use um, Jessica Kim Writes on Instagram, and um, on Twitter, I am J-E-S-S-I-I-C-A-B-L-E. Brilliant. Okay. Now, obviously, Liz, I'll ask you then, can the collection be got at all? good and evil news sellers booksellers etc and online can it be yeah i'm her book is on our animal heart press website um I'm, I, it's on it's everywhere i mean you can go on amazon but and you can go on goodreads you'd find it you, you, you know if, um, but if you're not sure where to go go to animalheartpress.net um under new releases or wherever on our bookstore it's there um we appreciate the support when you buy directly from the publisher um yeah it's uh it's brilliant and it's beautiful the cover of it is so gorgeous the whole thing is just a work of art so yeah. you know if you have if you don't have one in your hands i highly encourage that you won't you won't regret buying it no, um definitely won't with this one mike can you get me saying that i don't say that often dead right mm -hmm, the pair of you. absolutely right ladies we better wrap up part one here so i want to get i want to get jessica as much time as we can to give you that few pieces for us so this has been a fantastic podcast part one i've loved this thank you to the pair of you and we should see everybody in two minutes. Spoke Hi, guys. Yes. And the end. Jessica Kim, Elizabeth Horrid. Now, Elizabeth and me are now going to shut up shop. And we're going to go straight over to Jessica because she's going to read up three pieces from her excellent collection. Over to you, Jessica. Yeah, so the first piece I will be reading is called Poem in which I talk about my disability. And this was the first piece I wrote in the collection. So um, yeah, I'll start reading. And this poem is dedicated to Constance Merritt. I understand why you talk about ghosts in every poem. No, I am not yet apprentice ghost and they do not uncover the entrance hall into this body. Now I steal into the party dressed as Asian and disabled. Someone inquires, where's your costume? But there is no oration for blindness. I can imagine my skin scaffolded on a different body, eyes as mercury in orbit. Even in this one, I am unseen. Though someone is always looking for ways to tell me blind woman is less than anything. They tell me premeditation does not matter when taking and I start to question my upbringing, righteousness as sin, 
forgiveness as erasure, compliance as woman. I will leave this party unnoticed and smuggle into another house, eyeglass in hand. Remind me I do not have eyes, impaled by ghostness and perpetuation. Let me fist maledictions into locked doors on sleepless nights, blind girl mistaking braille for celestial bodies. Incredible, what a start. Wow. <laughs> Definitely a round of applause on that one. Tremendous answer, God, Jessica. Tremendous. Right, we'll let you get straight into piece number two for us. Sure. So the next piece I'll be reading is called Fish Bodied, and it plays with language, um, specifically the word bom, which means body, and that's explained in the poem. In Korean, Mom means body. I imagine a body shaped like a raw chana, silver skinned, but, but small like a daughter without a homeland. To survive, I memorize the muscle movement of a mother tongue, watching mother's swollen lips waver across a foreign coast. Words unmouthed like broken apologies thrown out to sea. See, in my language, all means fish. In another, it is the dehydrated whimper of mother on her deathbed. She clutches my palms in a plea for me to return home. And I understand now that Hanguk was never mine to begin with. I forget how to translate death into elegies. I instead liken mother to a chana grayed and dried out, unable to live longer than two days in a water tank. The country, a cage of self-destruction. I pick at its ripened scales, then admire its upturned belly, whitened by the begone summer. It is early autumn, not a season for death, but completion. Mother chews a chona in its entirety, both flesh and bone meshing into cremated ashes. I choose to dispose of its softened skeleton, to cleanse away of this sickening obsession, to renounce a language that cannot differentiate mother from a body. Good God, wow. <laughs> that is extraordinary. My yeah, beautiful. God. That's one of my, my. favorites, Jessica. That, is, that was a fantastic, a fantastic second piece, that one, Jess. Good, good God. Wow. I, didn't I, I wouldn't even know where to start to try and go right with the vocabulary like that. Well, what's so amazing that she's doing is there's like nothing is sensationalized or cliche or overdone, no. over no. loud, but it's so strong that you're just like, how did she just combine all of those pieces and it just flows and flows and flows? And yeah, it's just water it's, rushing over you and you just don't even quite know what happened, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really stacked with so many good images in it, yes. don't you? The yeah. riff and the, the, the bit about the using Korean language to start it off, give yeah. it a real distance yeah. on it, but then you bring it all together. Jessica does with them, and I don't know if she does it on purpose, but she brings in all these communities of her life, whether it's you know, visual, visually impaired community, Korean community, yeah. feminist community, um, 
you know, 18 year old, like, and she brings and brings everyone in. Um, Takes some going out. Extraordinary week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely, Liz. Right, we better move on. Anyone? Don't want right. people to hear the third piece today, I'll Jessica. Be, I'll so, be quiet. <laughs> uh, same here, Ron. That's difficult for you with me. I know <laughs> the past experience. But <laughs> <laughs> seriously, Jessica, give us the big conclusion, as I always say. Yes. Yeah, so my last piece is called "Firework Girls," and this is a piece that occurs later in my collection, and it's definitely some something that I really wanted to uplift um, me, my family, and my community. So that's where fireworks come from. Firework girls sashay down the sidewalks with ankles swollen like cherry bombs. Firework girls don't trip over candy wrappers on the floor. Instead, they throw firecrackers into the air, then run away from the explosion. Meanwhile, an army of explosive boys with drumstick legs beat on the tarmac, a parade to celebrate the beginnings of something greater than themselves. Meanwhile, I lay supine on a football stadium, humming anthems my father used to sing, ready to be trampled by a band of marchers wielding their trombones and cymbals like weapons. I'm at a party full of firework girls, but am the only one wearing jeans, the only one with glasses thicker than fences. The paparazzi thinks I'm exotic enough to live captive in his photo gallery. So he angles my camera, he angles his camera at my eyes and gets angry when I'm not looking straight at him. All I see is the negative space of his body and even his body is a mirage I create with my eyes closed. I am not like firework girls, which is to say I am more silent, more polite, more docile. Firework girls don't understand what it means to live off hand-me-down blouses and wallets without credit cards, just green cards that will expire next month. Firework girls wear contact lenses as cosmetics. I wear them for survival. Firework girls raise their glasses and cheer, and one of the blonde girls extends a glass of tequila in my direction, an invitation to play pretend. Here, a masquerade of bodies are basked in lavish light. Firework girls don't understand the tiger in my mother, the way she flares up when I mention the American way of living. At home, celebration is silent. All five of us pressed into a dining table for four, too scared to turn on the TV just to see another shooting, another headline with eight Asians dead, six of them women. At home, we eat rice cakes as a substitute for burgers even on days like today when we can call ourselves American. At home, we forget, then remember everything in bursts, mother rocking my brother to sleep with Korean folk songs while I try to unstitch them from my ears. Outside, the party never ends, fireworks booming in the distance, always mistaken for bullets. In the end, the firework girls will burst into sparks of light, and I will be the only one remaining in this landscape. 
waiting for the slow jazz dawn to rise. I am alone, but not uninvited, no longer afraid of illusions, fireworks, my own girlhood. When tomorrow becomes today, I welcome myself into the party, humming melodies of rebirth. That last line is killer there, absolutely. Oh, well read. Whoa. Another one of my favourites. Yeah, it's a tremendous piece out again. What I love about that, Jessica, and I'm sure Liz would agree with me, this is there's elements of anger in that piece, mm. but also acceptance. We've helped this. I think anger, when you write an anger in poetry and you hold it back, it's twice as powerful. That was absolutely, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a, like a quiet, burning, simmering, mm. you know, um, the us us versus them simmering yeah. uh, again of the different communities that she's identifies with um, yeah no agreed agreed there's a lot of ground so covered in that piece so yeah layered. yeah it's so wow. it's so deep it's really an epic piece it's re and it's really an ode to you know to your community to your family to your 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 ancestry to disabled people right. to, to all the girls that don't feel like they fit in and who are on the margins Right. holding that invitation with no idea what to do with it i mean it's really it every i feel like every woman i know could relate to that in some on some level yeah, you know definitely. regardless of who you find yourself in that kind of like wanting to belong um feeling yeah yeah no i agree completely absolutely astonishing mm -hmm. stuff now we better wrap up now, Wendy, because obviously we've got Wendy, and we, we've got to go on to the next video we're going to be recording now so watch your space and that anyway but liz thank you again for today as always it's been a pleasure having you, you on again too. today it was wonderful to get to be here and listen to jessica read some more and i'm a huge fan and, and a big supporter me, so me too as well now <laughs> the big star today of course is jessica i'm gonna make a blush now right so <laughs> but nancy jessica been tremendous having you on today okay that has been i've said before i've said this about four times today and i mean it it's one of the best collection debut, certainly best debut collections I've read in ages. So it's been a pleasure. So come back for when this collection <laughs> two is ready. Okay. So anyway, guys and girls, <laughs> I will. Thank you again, Jessica. And there you go, guys. Well, that's spoken label done for another day. I'm, I'm shattered now. <laughs> so but we're going to go yeah, to thank do. Thank you, Andy, and thank you, Liz. We're going to obviously we're going to do that now. Our next thing now. So watch your space spoken labels, but. As Don Callis says of Impact Wrestling, stay safe, guys, and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Spoken Label.